0: Friends, we are one week away from Easter, the Sunday before Easter. It's referred to as Palm Sunday, and many of you may be familiar with Palm Sunday and what it represents and what it still means to us. Now, many of you may never have heard the term or the phrase or the words Palm Sunday before, and that's okay too. And maybe for some of us, we're very familiar with the the theology, the backstory, the context of Palm Sunday But maybe today, here and now, God is going to open our eyes or our ears or our minds, our hearts to maybe something different that He wants us to carry from our time together. So let me give you a little bit of the context, a little bit of the backstory with Palm Sunday. Now, the public ministry of Jesus Christ, it culminates with Jesus and His disciples and some followers triumphantly entering the holy city of Jerusalem. They've traveled from the region of Galilee. It's been about a five-day journey as they now come into Jerusalem for the Passover, The Passover celebration, that is the biggest time of year for the Jewish people. It's the most celebrated time of the year for it commemorates, it recalls, it remembers, it reflects the, the fact that God had rescued, supernaturally taken out the Jewish people from slavery out of Egypt. Now, for the last three years, Jesus has been teaching, Jesus has been preaching, and he has accumulated quite the following of people who wanted to hear what he had to say next. He, he preached, he taught, he spoke as one with great authority. Many people said maybe he's the Messiah, this, this Christo, this anointed one, the Son of God, whom is going to be sent into this world to redeem and rescue his people. So Jesus and his disciples, they're about to enter the holy city of Jerusalem. They're in this procession of people who've been traveling day in and day out from Galilee, about to enter the holy city of Jerusalem in anticipation of Passover. The followers are are reveled. They're excited. There's this sense of celebration, a sense of hope, a sense certainly of expectation. So let's pick up the story. We're going to go to the Gospel of Mark chapter 11. We're going to start off with verses 1 through 11, okay? As they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead, and he said to them, "'Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there with no one has ever ridden. Untie the colt, bring it here.'" If he asks ask you, why are you doing this? Then you are to say, the Lord needs it, and he will send it back here shortly. So Jesus gives instructions to his disciples, sort of unusual instructions, but the disciples, they respond. Here's what they did. Verse 4, we pick it up. They went and they found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? Well, they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, he threw their cloaks over it, and Jesus sat on it. So now, friends, the crowd is getting larger, and they too respond to Jesus. Verse 8, Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting hosanna blessed he is he who comes in the name of the lord blessed is the coming kingdom of our father david hosanna in the highest heaven Like we said, Palm Sunday, it marks the beginning of Holy Week, and all of this will culminate with the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus, and then, of course, that leads to the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Now, the writers of the four Gospels, they spend a lot of time focusing on these pivotal days of the next week. For example, Mark and Matthew and Luke, they devote really a third of their content to this final week of Jesus' life. John, the Gospel of John, denotes about half of Holy Week as the content for his gospel. It then focuses on the next days after the resurrection of Jesus. So, so it's a big deal, obviously, to the writers of the four gospels. And so, here we find Jerusalem abuzz with excitement. The the city of about 50,000 swelled to more than half a million Jewish people during the hubbub, during the excitement, the celebration, the remembrance of, Passover. And so, we have this procession of Jesus and His disciples, Jesus and His followers, entering the holy city of Jerusalem. But the Scripture actually refers to two different processions that we find on that spring morning of the year about 30 A.D., two processions entering Jerusalem. From the east, of course, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a lowly donkey. He was being celebrated. He was being honored. He was being cheered on by his followers. And and Jesus, he was a a peasant, uh, seemingly from a peasant little village of Nazareth. His message was about uh, this incoming kingdom of God. And and at that time, most of his followers had come from uh, maybe peasant backgrounds. They had journeyed from Jerusalem to Jerusalem from the, the region of Galilee. Like I said, they've been traveling for about five days up to this point. And throughout the gospel of Mark, the teaching, the preaching, the miracles, uh, the ministry of Jesus, they have been pointing to Jerusalem. And now it has arrived. But on the opposite end of the city from the west, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the region, he also entered Jerusalem. Now, traditionally, Pontius Pilate would parade into Jerusalem on the first day of Passover through the West Gate, or the Front Gate, as it was known. And with him, there would be legions of chariots and horses and foot soldiers. They were dressed for battle and armed with spears and swords. Pontius Pilate and the the hundreds of Roman soldiers were there to remind the Jewish people that, okay, hey, you guys claim to be under the guidance and the protection of God, uh, but you're still under the military might of the Roman Empire. After all, the Roman Empire, they were the the strongest in the world, and the majesty with which Pontius Pilate entered the holy city, the front gate of Jerusalem, was meant to bring about awe and fear, respects, and obedience. Uh, Meanwhile, on the other side of town, Jesus' procession proclaimed uh, not the military might of the Roman Empire, but uh, to contradict that, the, uh, the kingdom of the Most High God. Can you see the contrast? These two entrances, as as different as they were, point to the central conflict of the week. It will eventually lead to the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus. Pilate, he entered the city full of uh, uh, this big armada of Roman military might. They were there to reinforce the Roman garrisons. that were, uh, They were permanently stationed in Jerusalem. Uh, troops w- would be stationed high above the city, hovering over the Jewish temple and its surrounding courtyards. There were guards stationed throughout the crowds. They were on the lookout for, uh, for dissidents or agitators or zealots, and there were usually plenty of those. Pontius Pilate, he rode in with this military procession. Uh, March readers, they would have been very familiar with such a procession because it really was the standard way of doing things, the standard operating procedure of the Roman governors as they came into Jerusalem during one of the Jewish festivals, certainly and especially for Passover. The, uh, the Roman leaders, they were there not, not to honor and celebrate along with the Jewish people. Uh, rather, the Roman governors would come in with this huge procession because they wanted to show the Jewish people that they the Romans were in charge, to make their presence known just in case there was any sort of trouble. And, and there often was, especially during Passover, because think about it, at Passover, the Jewish people were celebrating the, rege- the, the redemption, the, the rescuing that God provided to the Jewish people, pulling them from an oppressor. The Romans would be very fearful of that. They, very, uh, they would be on top of everything in case something happened here and now. Now, uh, can you imagine such a procession this proud display of Roman military might, the, the cavalry on the horses, the armed foot soldiers, the leather armor, the, the helmet, the, the weapons, the banners, the, the golden eagles mounted upon these long poles, the, uh, the, the sound of the marching Roman feet, the, the click-clocking of, the, uh, of the, the horses being ridden by the, the fierce, mighty Roman soldiers. Other people were gazing at this fancy procession, some were doing so out of curiosity, some certainly out of reverence, and some honestly were very resentful his arrival, his presence. It wasn't merely a sign of military strength and power, but in all seriousness, believe it or not, it was actually a sign of Roman theology. What do we mean by that? Well, you see, according to Roman lore, the emperor was not merely the ruler of Rome. He was, in their eyes, the son of their Roman god. While we know Jesus as the son of the the, the one true God, the the Romans believed that their emperor hailed from the Roman gods. Now, it, it began with really the greatest Roman leader of them all, Augustus. He ruled Rome from 31 B.C. to 14 B.C. They said that his father was the Roman god Apollo. And so monuments and statues and even inscriptions on Roman coins refer to Augustus as the Son of God. Some refer to him as Lord, as Savior. One even refers to him as the one who brought peace to earth. And so after Augustus' death, he was ascending into heaven, says Roman mythology, to take his permanent place upon the Roman gods. Now, his successors continued to be speaking about these divine titles that God has given them all the way to Tiberius, He was the emperor from 14 AD to 37 AD during the time of Jesus's public ministry. And so uh, the Jewish people in Jerusalem on that day, the, uh, the presence of Pontius Pilate was uh, not just this military might, but it was also a threat to Jewish theology, saying, you know what, you Jewish people think that you know what you're doing, uh, but you don't. Us Romans, we do. We have the military might, and now we have the theology to back up our presence here and now. Uh, Can you see the contrast? Now let's go back to the procession of Jesus entering Jerusalem. Jesus had had planned this in advance. We know that because Jesus gives his disciples instructions on what they're called to do. They are called to go into the next village ahead of this procession. They're going to find up a a colt, a, a little male donkey, and they're going to find him tied up. They're going to untie him. They're going to take him to Jesus. Jesus sits upon this donkey, this colt, and he processes into the holy Jewish city of Jerusalem. Now, uh, Pontius Pilate, he enters on a, a mighty white stallion, uh, but Jesus enters on a lowly donkey. Can you see the contrast? Jesus was surrounded by enthusiastic followers and sympathizers. They, they took off their clothes their clothes and their, their uh, cloaks, and they laid them on the ground. Many took palm branches, which were, were kind of native to that place at that day and time, and, and they would use the palm branches to, to shout these things to Jesus, acknowledging that, that He was the one that God had spoken of, that prophets had prophesied for hundreds of years. Hosanna, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessing, Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our ancestor David, Hosanna in the highest. Now, for those Jewish people on hand for this entrance, this procession into Jerusalem, man, it would be crystal clear what Jesus was doing. Why? Because they would know the words, they would understand the familiar terms of Zechariah. He was a Jewish prophet who wrote about 700 years before Jesus. And according to Zechariah the prophet, a king would be marching in, he would be processing in, entering in the Jewish city of Jerusalem, not riding on a white stallion, but riding on a young donkey, on a colt, humbly entering the holy city of Jerusalem many in that crowd on that spring day in the year about AD 30 they would see the theological significance taking place right before their eyes they were cheering hosanna that literally means save us now save us now they they threw down their garments jesus was walking over those it was a sign of respect along with the palm branches and the shouting and the chanting it really was their version of a ticker tape parade Jesus in in his procession into the the holy city of Jerusalem, it deliberately countered what was happening on the other end of the city. As he Pontius Pilate in his procession, it embodied the, the power, the glory, even the greed, the violence of an empire that ruled the world. But Jesus in his procession embodied the antithesis of such a kingdom the contrast between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Caesar is central to the story that we find during this holy week. The the contrast between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man is, is really central to the early Christians, to the early followers of Jesus, and such a contrast still is central to our theology and our world and our faith here and now. So, the culminating confrontations between these two kingdoms continues today as it did take place more than 2,000 years ago. Now, we do know from uh, being able to look back that, that the week will end with the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus. Holy Week is the story of that confrontation But then we also can look through that and realize that Holy Week ends up becoming a time and a place and a theology and a theme of victory. It's about light in the midst of darkness, about hope in the midst of fear, about peace in the midst of uncertainty. So two processions, one about the rule of man, the other about the reign of God that parade at that entrance into the holy city of Jerusalem on that spring day in about 30 A.D. Jesus never forced anyone to follow him, but his presence did and still does force a decision, the rule of man or the reign of God. Can can you see the contrast? Today we may not be under the the Roman rule, Roman Empire and their oppression, but, but there are things that do seek to control us, maybe the, uh, the pressures of this world, or uh, maybe it's our own inward desire to keep up with the Joneses, maybe to maintain some sort of status level. Maybe we want others to see that we want our lives to, to look like we have it all together, really we may not. Maybe we have feelings of emptiness or Problems at work, problems at home, problems with our kids, problems with our parents, problems in our marriages. Maybe there's anxiety or, or nervousness over an uncertain future, or, or maybe at times people can be gripped with, with fear or dread or worry or doubt. Because here's the truth. On our own, we really can't combat that. We can't get through that. We can't make it past that. But, but Jesus does. Jesus will. Jesus will. And Jesus invites us to place our faith, our trust, and our lives within him. You see, that, friends, is how the contrast is played out today. The rule of man or the reign of God. Pontius Pilate certainly thought that his display of military might would bring about fear and intimidation. But Jesus and his show of humility would bring about hope and it would bring about peace. And he still does, and that's why, friends, next Sunday, billions of people around this world will gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate Jesus coming back to life. Jesus died. Jesus was raised again. Jesus ascends into heaven so that you and I, friends, in a spiritual sense, don't have to die. And so despite Jesus' celebrated entry into Jerusalem, mere days later the crowds would shout crucify him as jesus would be arrested and later killed so we look back on that spring day over 2000 years ago jesus and his entrance into jerusalem my goodness they attracted a crowd people would pick up palm branches because they were prevalent they were there easy to come by and the folks used them to celebrate and honor and show their allegiance to jesus you may not have palm branches growing out in your backyard, but, but there are things that Jesus has given you, ways in which God has provided an opportunity for you to celebrate that triumphant entry of Jesus, not in the entrance of Jerusalem, but now maybe into the entrance of your life, into the entrance of your issues or your problems or your fears or your dreads. What are some of the ways in which we can use what we have here and now to honor Jesus? Our own Shawna Fratwell has some exciting examples of things that we can do. Check this out. Hi, church family. Today is Palm Sunday, and while we may not be waving palm branches together in person, we have come up with a fun plan so that all of us can celebrate together virtually using our hashtag wave of hope. Here are your three simple instructions. Step one, create a palm. There's no right or wrong way to do this. You can be as creative as you want to be. Step two, take a picture. Even if you're not feeling terribly creative, a house plant will work. Step three, post your picture. Really good stuff going on in the midst of our community. And here at Chapel Roswell, friends, we, we want to hear from you. How are you doing? What are you doing to, to cope with maybe the uh, the broken routines and the schedules that may seem now a little disjointed? How are you coping with the social distancing and trying to self-quarantine or, or keep yourself uh, safe and, and maybe away from harmful germs? How have you encountered and experienced God through the, the time out that all of us are experiencing from maybe the, the normal hustle and bustle of daily lives? And, and are there prayer concerns, ways in which we can support and walk alongside you with maybe some things you're experiencing? What are your prayer concerns and what are your needs? We have a whole platform of social media, ways in which we can communicate with one another. We may not be together in the same room, but we are together in spirit and know that we want to be walking alongside you to, 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 to go with you to the good places, to the bad places, to the things that maybe we're all walking through in our culture in this day and age right here and right now. Like I said, next Sunday is Easter Sunday in a whole myriad of ways, a whole slew of ways uh, to celebrate the risen Christ. And I pray that you will do that, allowing us to worship again together. And finally, one of the ways in which we are called to respond to God is through our giving. Your financial giving, it fuels the mission and the ministry of Chapel Roswell. It makes a huge, tangible difference in the lives of so many different people through so many different missions and ministries. You can see now uh, several different ways in which you can give. It's our way of honoring God, of acknowledging that God is greater than all of our needs combined, that that God is able to meet us where we are and meet our needs. So friends, I'm glad that, that we were able to worship here together on this Palm Sunday. And just as Jesus would triumphantly enter into the city of Jerusalem, Jesus has triumphantly entered into your life and into mine. And that certainly is worth celebrating. Friends, would you pray with me? With your most gracious and loving God, we do thank you for the gift of Jesus, the one who suffered and died so that we may live. Lord, we thank you for your gift of forgiveness, your mercy and your grace that no matter what we may have done or no matter where we have gone, we are never too far lost for your grace. Lord God, we are going through days of uncertainty. We've never really gone through times like this, but the Scripture tells us, God, that that You have. May we rely on Your strength and wisdom instead of our own. Father God, may we live lives full of purpose and boldness and truth. We love You, Lord, and we thank You for first loving us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen for joining us online today. We want to extend an extra special welcome to those of you who may have joined us online for the very first time. We want to remind you to stay connected with us on ChapelRoswell.com for all of our latest updates and events. And also join us on social media this week as we continue to make this a place of community and faith, virtually. We'll see you guys back here next week, the same time for live streams.